Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That is Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast. I am Sandra Flack um, with a different background uh, behind me today because I actually am squirreled away at the Inlet Community Church way up in the Adirondacks in this little community called Inlet. And um, I was working remotely this week from our camp in the Adirondacks. If you follow my social media, you see pictures of uh, all of the beautiful, great outdoors of God's creation there. Um, And of course, 30 minutes before I was to record this podcast with my guest, the power and the internet went down and we have no cell service at our place for that remote off the grid. Uh, So I had to fly to town um, and came to the church that we attend when we're up here. And thankfully, they have internet, but they are running generator power. I don't know if you can hear a little humming in the background, but outside the window behind me, um, there's a generator running, um, but they have internet. So I didn't have to cancel and reschedule. I have two podcasts to record today. So it's been a whirlwind, but you know what? God is faithful. He worked out all of the details. Um, So we are here to record. So that's how my morning is going. I was literally in sitting with the Lord in my quiet time. And all of a sudden I heard our generator kick on, which gave us power at our camp, but it did not give us the internet. So I don't really know what's going on, but Anyway, you know, we have to just roll with it. So I hope you're having a great day. Uh, And uh, this is, I'm recording this podcast um, actually right around Labor Day. And we're, you know, ending summer and about to transition into the school year. Um, So just trying to adjust to those changes and and um interesting right with our kids all these different transitions and actually my son slava was with me when the power went out and i had to pivot and make all these other plans and i had to self-regulate because if i don't self-regulate he's way off the charts so self-regulated prayed together and you know explained to him that you know i have plans A, B, and C. And in worst case scenario, I find some cell service and email my guests and reschedule, right? But it all worked out. And here we are, the gracious folks from Inlet Community Church are allowing me to sit in the pastor's office at the pastor's desk and um, and record this podcast. So let's see how it goes, right? Um, before we get started with our guest today, I do want to share some of our resources for 
parents caring for children who were prenatally exposed to alcohol and other drugs. So check this out. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. I just love our hope for the F-A-S-D journey community. I get such a great um, encouragement from our whole team and everybody who's part of our community. So I hope that you'll check that out. Um, in addition to our support group, our online support group, I do offer training um, for parents and caregivers and even professionals um, who are working with children who are prenatally exposed. You may or may not know if your child has an FASD, you may or may not have a diagnosis, you may suspect, or you may be just dealing with these really big behaviors and you've been addressing the trauma and you've been addressing attachment, but there's still something missing. You're still, there's still something going on. And it very likely could be um, the impact of uh, prenatal exposure to alcohol. So starting on October 11th, uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern time, I am kicking off a deep dive into FASD using the FACETS Neural Behavioral Model. This is a brain-based approach to parenting. Um, this is a six-week workshop. So it's six consecutive Thursday nights, uh, sorry, Wednesday nights, six consecutive Wednesday nights um, at 7 p.m. starting on uh, October 11th. Uh, and it's 18 hours worth of content, right? Three hours at a time, six sessions. I hope you will check it out. Um, so you can register at our website, justicefororphansny.org. Um, or maybe you're interested in something more one-on-one, -on -one, like a coaching type consulting um, session um, or a bundle of sessions. We are now offering that more personalized support um, with me as your coach. You can find out more about that on our website as well. We do offer certificates of completion for all of the training um, and sessions that you would do with me. And if you are a licensed social worker in New York State, we offer CEUs as well. So again, to check out all of our training options, um, go to justicefororphansny.org and you can find out more there. And of course, we have a link in the show notes to that. Um, and please also be sure to share um, with your friends about this podcast, uh, follow us on social media, subscribe, follow the podcast. We are now offering these episodes uh, in video form, which is new for us. We started that in September. So I hope that you will check all of that out. Um, and now I can't wait to get to our guest today. So are you ready? Mindy Schrock is a mom of four, two through international adoption with special needs. Uh, she's a writer, creator, encourager um, who walks with Jesus. Uh, Mindy's mission is to encourage and empower moms with empathy, humor, 
and permission to rest. Boy, do we need that. Please welcome Mindy Schrock. Hi, Mindy. Hi, how are you? I am doing good. We just had, again, (laughs) I I shared in my opening with our listeners about the crazy morning I've had, and then it just continued because we had all kinds of trouble connecting, (laughs) but it all worked out and here we are. And um, we're just going to, we're going to roll with it and uh, trust that the Lord is going to work it all out. So um, I thank you for being on today. I've been following your social media and so encouraged by it and couldn't wait to connect with you and, and have a conversation with you and, and uh, introduce our, our listeners to you. So um, let's jump in because you have four, four kiddos, right? Two bios, two adopted. Yes. internationally. So what led you to adopt? Well, I had this plan in mind that I would just keep having kiddos every kind of every two years. Um, and of course, God had other plans. <laughs> um, and so we had um, two boys and the first two, well, both were kind of difficult pregnancies, difficult birth, um, sometimes even difficult in postpartum. But around a year old, um, I would go to my husband and say, so we're going to have another one. (laughs) So for number two, it was like, okay. And then when it came time for number three, um, he just said, you know, it's, it's been kind of rough. Maybe, maybe we've had enough um, shrocks and maybe it's time to adopt a shrock. And I was never one of those, um, that thought, oh, I always wanted to adopt. That was never even on my radar. Um, So I started praying (laughs) that God would change my husband's heart. (laughs) And so we had lots of conversation about that and probably, um, probably over a three to six month period. And I was just praying and praying that God would change his heart. Um, And then one time we were, we were out for dinner um, and we were, the subject came up again and, um, and I said, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's adopt. And my husband was shocked. Brad was just, what, what, what happened? And I said to him, you know, I think God just needed to change my heart. Um, so yeah, so we started the process of adopting and, um, yeah. <laughs> How much do you want to hear about that? <laughs> yeah. So I I know you had, because you had shared with me that the process to adopt was crazy, right? You had a lot of um, challenges. Um, so yeah, tell us about the journey of international adoption and how that played out. Sure. Well, um, in my experience, there's nothing easy about adoption. So the paperwork is difficult. Um, the requirements, um, getting things in, and um, <laughs> the lengths that we had to go, the places we had to drive to, the paperwork we had to get, um, it took us seven and a half years to adopt. We had two adoptions fall through. Um, we tried two different countries um, before we settled on, well, God really told us uh, to adopt through China. So, um, and that was another, <laughs> I, I never, um, China was not on my radar. Um, we looked at two other countries before that. 
and long process in between. We moved in that time as well. Um, we lost quite a bit of money in uh, one of the adoptions. Um, so when our second one fell through, our adoption agency director said, why don't you try China? Um, and I said, oh, well, and I went to the Lord with it. And I just said, God, you know, this is just, um, I just don't have a heart for China. And I felt like God said, but I do. Mm. So, so we started that process. And um, by then we were five and a half years in and we realized, you know, by this time we probably could have adopted two. So um, why not adopt two at the same time? So we kind of set our hearts on, um, we really felt like God had twins for us. So, um, so we just kind of waited. We had all of our paperwork done um, and we were just waiting to look at files and we just felt like there were twins for us. And our, the adoption director said, you know, we're believers too, and we're praying with you, but we do need to tell you that that's very unlikely with China. Um, and often if someone has twins, they, they don't get, um, uh, they're able to keep them without the restrictions uh, with the one child policy because they're twins. So it's very rare to find twins um, to adopt. Um, so after a period of time, we felt like that something kind of shifted or how we understood it, that it wasn't twins exactly like how we thought of often God's ways and his thoughts are different than ours. Um, so we started looking at files uh, for girls uh, and we had two biological boys. So we definitely wanted two girls and um, our director noticed that we had looked at a couple files um, and so she reached out to us and said, I saw you're looking at files. Are you open to seeing some of what I have? And I said, well, sure. Yeah, let's, let's take a look at it. Um, and she said, well, we have this girl. Um, and she mentioned some of the medical needs, which we were open to. Um, and she said the birth date, which was in, I think that one was October and um, we said, okay. And then um, she said, what orphanage, uh, what town? And then she said, and then I have this other little girl that she's um, November and um, oh my, it's the same town, the same orphanage. Mindy, you have your twins. And <laughs> we knew from that moment um, that those two were for us. Of course we did the responsible thing and still had our doctor look over their files because both of them had significant medical needs. Um, and we found out more after they came home, but we knew that we knew that we knew that these were the, the two girls, the twins for us, not biologically related, but God's twins for us. So that was in January. And then, um, yeah, in 2017 in August, we brought um, Natalie and Brielle home to our family. Wow. And how old were they when they came home? They were three and a half. So both of their birthdays are in the fall. So they were almost four when we adopted them. Yeah. Wow. And only yeah. a month apart. So that that's a lot like twins. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's actually like two and a half weeks. So it's, it's pretty amazing. <sighs> and people ask all the time because they're about the same size. Um, are they twins? Are they twins? So they, they know the deal because, you know, those little ones are listening when you, <laughs> when people ask questions and how you answer them. So yes. Yeah. They're God's wow. twins for us. 
Yeah. So tell us about, would you, would you share with us what were the disabilities, the, the special needs that both of the girls have? Yes. Well, Brielle has a genetic condition. Um, so that affects um, a lot of different things, um, some developmental delays. Um, she also had um, a hole in her heart, so she needed it repaired um, almost immediately. Um, and she should have had it I mean, it's really a miracle that she was um, still with us um, and that should have been fixed in utero or soon after birth. Um, she also is partially deaf. She has a submucous cleft palate, um, so a significant articulation delay. Um, and the only thing that we really knew from her file was um, a heart condition. So, but our doctors kind of prepared us that that type of heart condition is pretty typical for um, the genetic um, disorder that she has, and then the additional things that we might need to work with. And then Natalie has a lot of digestive issues. Um, so some chronic ongoing things um, that she'll always need care for, and it affects her daily life. So um, yeah, we kind of anticipated having one that would have some major chronic things to begin with, and then one that we would have to kind of keep um, addressing and taking care of um, throughout her life. But we kind of looked at it as, you know, um, this is something that she'll always have to deal with. So maybe we can help her with that. So, yeah. So, we, yeah. Yeah. so I know that, you know, kids, children with, with special needs or disabilities, that brings a, another whole level of um, you know, medical challenges and things um, to, to the to our parenting journey. And typically children coming through foster care or through adoption have trauma and loss um, and, and typically have a whole host of big behaviors because of that trauma. So in addition to the medical things that you were dealing with, were, um, were there attachment and, and, and trauma behaviors that, that you were experiencing? Yes. Yeah. And we found that um, we tried to take sort of a systematic approach. I'm a kind of, <laughs> I like systems and organization, which <laughs> kind of flies out the window when you adopt um, and when you follow God, because everything's an adventure. Uh, but we, what we tried to do is approach, um, take it pieces at a time, because you can't solve everything. And you can't fix everything all at once. And we knew those issues were there and were going to be there. Um, so we started with, for lack of a better word, life-threatening things first. Um, so Riel's heart surgery, immediate, immediate need. Um, so we started with that. And then we moved into, so we had to kind of address medical first, even though we were doing all we could um, to bond and attach and be very intentional about that. But the reality is it's really tough to do when um, you're also relying on <laughs> medical professionals <laughs> that are, they don't know, not always trauma-informed, um, but we try to be really intentional about um, just bonding with them. So um, so we started with life-threatening and then quality of life. So um, Natalie had a surgery not quite a year home. And what we did is try to really focus on bonding with her before that, um, because it was a very traumatic um, surgery in itself, even though it greatly increased her quality of life. Um, but we addressed all of the medical things first. 
and all the extra supports like for Brielle um, never having hearing aids. So she got her first hearing aids at age four and a half um, and working with speech. And um, Natalie says that Brielle didn't really talk before she came home, that she was in the orphanage. She was too angry and didn't really speak. So um, teaching someone how to talk at, at age four. Um, so we kind of went through the medical quality of life. And then within the past, they've been home um, five years. Yes, six, five years. And so the first few years were really just medical quality of life. And then, yeah, about a year ago, we really started to dig into uh, trauma therapy. And we've done some really extensive work, um, <laughs> starting with us as a family and as parents, um, because how can you lead someone to healing if you're not healed? So That's we've right. been working through a lot of trauma therapy and some things have helped and some things haven't. Um, and it's a lot of trial and error and a lot and a lot of prayer. And um, yeah, it's definitely a journey. And yeah, but we see we see trauma every day. So um, yeah. yeah, and we try to approach it as it's us against the th against the trauma. So, um, yeah, it's the girls and I, <laughs> it's our family against the trauma. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that perspective. How old are the girls now and how are they doing? They are both nine, almost 10. Um, and they're doing, they're doing really well. Um, both are in school. We just moved Natalie to a Christian school. They were both in public before that. They both have IEPs that help support them at school. <laughs> I could go into a lot of detail about advocating <laughs> for IEPs, but we won't go there. Um, but their health, I would say, is at a good baseline right now. Um, we still get treatment about every three to six months, um, but we've gone our longest period without, um, we travel across um, state lines to a, a children's hospital that has um, specialists for their rare conditions. So we, we go to Ohio actually to um, get their treatment about every, it was every three months since they've been home. And this is the longest stretch we've gone without. So it's been, it's been nice to get a little break from that. Um, yeah, there's still lots of trauma. That's an ongoing, ongoing thing with attunement and attachment and connecting and bonding with them. Um, in school, um, Natalie is really thriving. A lot of her teachers would say um, they don't see it. Um, you know, they don't. She seems like a happy, successful uh, child. And Brielle, um, yeah, she's working with, she has quite the extensive IEP and gets a lot of support. And uh, she's doing well, uh, making friends. Um, so overall, they're doing really well. But of course, there's always <laughs> lots of challenges that we face with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's an ongoing journey, right? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Now you mentioned IEPs and not going there, but... I'm sure our <laughs> listeners were thinking, wait, let's go there. I, you know, I need, I need, I need some, a pep talk on IEP. So, yeah. so, um, you know, what, what, um, what advice would you give to our listeners who are also adoptive and foster parents when it comes to IEPs? What should, what, what can parents do? What would be your advice? Um, know that you're going to have to be an advocate. 
and um, oh, it's a balance of working with the school, but also sometimes just needing to dig in and fight for your child. Um, there's often um, local supports that you can reach out to um, that representatives will come to IEP meetings, which I would suggest that if you feel like your child isn't getting what they need. And um, as much as we love our district and have loved our teachers, um, the school is not going to recommend necessarily what your child needs. You're going to have to do your own research. Um, we have a private speech teacher as well. So she's been a major um, support in helping us know what to even ask for, because that's what I've struggled with the most as a parent. And I'm in it. My degree is in education. So <laughs> I should know some of this. <laughs> and I still, but with her, um, yeah, with her needs, I didn't necessarily know even what to ask for. And that was the hard part. Um, and unfortunately, you you just, it has to do with funding and you can't, you can't always count on the school saying, well, this is what she really needs. Um, as the parent, you have to be the one that does the research, um, maybe find some support, which can be challenging, but there's often resources in every state that you can, um, parent groups that you can find. Um, but knowing what to ask for, that's kind of the research that's involved and then advocating for that, asking for that. Um, yeah. And sometimes <laughs> I can't be the laid back Midwestern girl. I have to just really advocate for what she needs. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. But. Yeah. I remember someone once in a Bible study telling me that there's, there's a scripture verse that says to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. And I've applied that over the years with working with our school district, even back as far as before we adopted our kids and we were homeschooling. Um, I just, worked to build a positive relationship with our school district, never knowing that I would ever be at a place where I would have kids with, you know, special needs that needed to be in certain programs within the school. But because I built that relationship with them over the years, we get, um, you know, my son um, who was adopted and he's high school age um, and, and our listeners who, who listen all the time know he's, he's was prenatally exposed to alcohol. So he has fetal alcohol syndrome, um, and he's had services, he had services through the school while we were still homeschooling. Then we put him in school for a few years and then COVID happened and that was disastrous. And then we homeschooled yes. him again. And then, you know, now he's sort of doing this hybrid of he, I do math and reading with him in the morning. And then he goes into school for like adaptive PE and then life skills and job skills. But I am keenly aware that that whole thing that we have going on is really it that would vary by school district not to mention state right so yeah you have to we as parents and caregivers need to know our kids best like we're the experts on our kids and we have yes. to become the expert on whatever condition they have because I remember yes. the first I think my son was in seventh grade and, the, and it was new special ed teacher that he had that year. We hadn't had any problems for fifth and sixth grade. The teachers were both actually adoptive moms that he had for fifth grade and in sixth grade. So it was like I there was this level of understanding there. But in seventh grade, new teacher. And I remember the first parent teacher conference. She said something like, um, yes, your son has a problem with impulse control. And I'm like, 
you think, yes. because that's a primary <laughs> symptom of uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, okay, ding, ding, ding. I have to educate every educator about FAS because they don't know, even if they're a special education teacher, it doesn't mean that they know about the, you know, whatever disability our kiddos have. So we have to be the experts, but then we also have to gently, you know, approach because we don't want to come across a certain way where they just don't listen to what we're saying either. So we do have to fiercely advocate. And I love that, you know, I love that getting, you know, getting a support person who can go into those meetings with you, who knows what to ask for. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's, that's wisdom right there. So thank you, Mindy, for going, going into that with us. Um, Pivot a little bit here, um, parenting children with trauma histories and, um, you know, very daunting, not to mention if they have um, disabilities, medical appointments, therapies, all of the things that we're doing. Um, How do you take care of yourself? What do you do for (laughs) self-care? Uh, I love that question. And that is something that um, the first few years, I just felt like we're a blur. And we kind of went from emergency to emergency. And I found that um, (laughs) I was actually more calm in an emergency. And when everything was fine, that's when I was kind of freaking out, like, (laughs) looking for, um, which is typical of experiencing kind of secondary trauma. So, um, Yeah. How do I take care of myself? I think along the way, I sort of had this idea of, um, you know, the best mom homeschools her kids. And ideally, that's probably what my kids need. And I realized just that um, that's just a choice at this point I (laughs) can't make. Um, And just making a lot of choices like that, knowing they have a lot of needs. I can't Mm -hmm. solve all of them. I can't fix everything. And um, it's okay (laughs) telling myself it's okay to put them in school. And it's okay sometimes to um, let dad put them to bed each night because then I have time to sip and have my evening coffee. (laughs) And um, what I've been doing a lot lately is taking walks with Jesus. So that has been very therapeutic for me (laughs) when I sit and try to listen (laughs) to Jesus and just sit. I can't do that very well. And all the thoughts are going. So if I'm moving, um, which, you know, research would back that up as well, but, um, I found that to be very therapeutic for me. So I do mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of essential oils. I walk a lot, drink a lot of water. Um, and I also strive not to be the perfect parent, that it's okay sometimes to say, you know what? We're going to, public school is great. We're going to make that work. Um, and I'll bond. It'll be quality versus quantity. Um, so making a lot of little choices like that has significantly helped support also my mental health because if I'm struggling that affects the whole atmosphere of the home unfortunately I wish it wasn't that way but (laughs) it is so I have to stay emotionally healthy um, for me and so that I can help take care of them as well so yeah, 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 for sure. And and I find when it comes when it comes to education, it varies by our kids, right? We have to do yes. whatever is going to be best for for them and what they need. And sometimes it is public school or 
Christian school or homeschool or a variety. And, yes. and it may vary even year by year. Right. So absolutely. You know, I, I, I mean, I, in, in the early days of my parenting, when I just had biological kids, I was a firm believer that oh, homeschooling was the best, yeah. you know, superior <laughs> way. And then I was humbled and adopted a bunch of kids and realized, okay, so that's not going to fly for everybody. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, some of our kids went to school and then when that didn't work, you know, I had to pull one home. And so it's really what's going to work best for our kiddos, for our family. Um, so true. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't believe there's any one right way. It's just whatever is going to work best for our kids. Right? And we and see that in our bio kids as well. And we've done yes. everything from public school, Christian school, online, homeschool, co-ops. <laughs> and it. it is, it's truly each kid has had a different educational journey and, um, you know, I have an education degree. So I sort of thought, well, we just put everyone in public school and if it doesn't work, we'll put everyone in Christian school. And that has not been what's best for each of our kids, different, different needs, different approaches. And yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you chose the verse that I opened with uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Yeah. What does that verse mean to you? That has, that's been <laughs> what God is speaking over me. I'm a fixer. I want to solve things. I want to take care of it. And um, <laughs> adopting, if um, nothing else has taught me, I can't, I can't fix everything. I can't save anything. And I'm not supposed to, you know, that expression, God doesn't give us more than what we can handle is not true. <laughs> right. um, in fact, he never, he doesn't say that, but he does say that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Um, so for me, that verse has been a, a constant invitation to come spend time with me, that Jesus is saying to me, come spend time with me, because I tend to just do, 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 get everything done that we need to do. And then if I have time, then I'll mm -hmm. spend a few moments in a break or spending time with just journaling or relaxing. Um, and so that's an invitation and a reminder. And um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know that I've ultimately learned that, but it's, it's a gift. It used to feel like that's one more thing I have to do. Um, but I'm finding, yeah, I need that. And it's been truly a gift to spend time just in the quiet, often walking, but in the quiet. Yeah. Just yeah. I love that because I, my, I, my longstanding time with the Lord is always first thing in the morning. Um, when it, before anybody else is up and I can have yes. that, that quiet time, but I love the walking with Jesus that you described because um, I do, I do love to walk, but I always think I have to sit in my space with my cup of coffee and my journal and my Bible. And it doesn't count unless I'm doing that, but right. there are distractions <laughs> that have to be filtered out when you're doing that. You, you know, my yeah. cell phone may ding and email comes through and then I'm distracted. Um, this morning I was sitting and it was like, Oh, look at that beautiful sunrise. I should take a picture of that. And then I need to post that on social media. And then I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing? I was like, you know, yes. I left Jesus in the living room, you know, but, um, but I love the idea of walking because then you're, you're just walking and listening for the Lord and, and, and praying. Yeah. So wherever and however finding yes. rest works for each one of us, right. We have to find find what that fit is. But um, I think that, 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 that piece 
that comes with just that time with him is, is so key. And one of my favorite verses actually is, is also is from, from John chapter, chapter 15, where Jesus talks about abiding, abide in me or remain yes. is another translation uses the word remain, remain in me, and I will remain in you apart mm-hmm. from me. You can do nothing. So I always think I can't do anything apart yeah. from him anyway. I need to have this time where I'm abiding and remaining and being intentional of having some time with him. So, you know, and that's where yeah. we do find our rest and peace in him. So I love that. Um, I also love how you use social media to encourage moms. Um, what inspired you to start doing that? Well, I've, I've struggled. I've struggled myself and um, I've reached out to adoptive moms that I know personally face to face. And there's a lot of discouragement out there. Um, and I, when I started sharing just on Facebook, how, how hard things were, I had a lot of people that came to me and said, you know, I struggle with that too, but I, I would have never known. I just thought, well, they look like they have it all together. <laughs> um, and so, and some didn't even, you know, comment or anything, but they would just come to me personally or privately and say, you know, I struggle with this, with this too. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's some discouragement out there, I think, with other adoptive moms, because it is so hard. And if we're not talking about it, we're all just kind of suffering in silence. And I have done that probably more than most. And thinking, I am just out here all by myself, just on my own island, struggling. Um, and it's not okay to share that it's hard. Um And so I just felt like, man, if I'm struggling, maybe there's other moms out there too that are struggling. And if I can encourage them, um, man, that's what I want to do. So that's become my mission and my passion to encourage and help other moms. First of all, to just be like, it's okay to say it's hard. It is, it is. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, what can we do? How can we make this better? This, we don't want to just sit in, like I always say, it's okay to not be okay. But let's not stay there. Let's not wallow because that's not helping. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, to be able to help other moms that maybe it's even hard to admit how much they're struggling. Um, Yeah. Yeah, because I find I find I was very when when our kids because we adopted at one point we adopted three kids internationally, three siblings at one time. So they all came home and life, like you said, was like a, a blur, like. And I just remember making a lot of food all the time and running to a lot of doctors and dentist appointments, um, you know, until things kind of settled down. But, you know, I, it was hard, but I always was like, oh, I can't say it's hard because people will say, well, this, you wanted this, you wanted to adopt these kids. This was all your idea. What, Mm -hmm. you know, so that little, you know, and that's not helpful because that's not what the Lord would, you know, that's not the Lord saying that to us. And we need each other. We need, we were created to be in community. And I find that we can end up isolating ourselves because it is hard and Mm -hmm. not every, you know, not every parent, not all of our parenting journeys are different, but if you're parenting children that you've adopted or through foster care or even a kinship placement um, where kids have loss and trauma, and then, you know, sometimes even special needs on top of that, it's a completely different journey than when we were parenting just biological children, right? Completely different. 
And yeah. so we can't we can't take parenting advice from our our best friend who's never adopted or doesn't have any <laughs> idea what trauma. You oh, know, my is, kid is like, does that too. Yeah, or just spank them. They need a little more discipline, right? <laughs> not helpful, right? You don't understand yeah. trauma. That's not that's not helpful. So we need to find our community, right? We need to find our, our some people say find your tribe, right? We need to find yeah. our people. Um, and it's not always easy to do, but I mean, yeah. I think one of the gr- great features of being able to to be online, and we started realizing this during COVID when people were able to connect more so that way. Um, a year ago, myself and another adoptive mom of a of a kiddo who has fetal alcohol syndrome, we started a support group for mm-hmm. other parents like us on this journey because you know it's we've we've got the trauma, we've got also prenatal exposure. So all of our kids have, you know, they're, they're neurodivergent and it's hard, but we need each other. And that's where we can find the hope and the encouragement. So I love what you're doing online to encourage mom. So where can our listeners find you on social Mm -hmm. media so they can catch your encouragement? Yeah. Well, I'm on Instagram. So Mindy, M I N D I dot Shrock S C H R O C K or on Facebook and there it's Mindy Roland Schrock. So come find me, come friend me. I would love to walk with you. Yeah. And we will put links to your social media in the show notes so that our listeners can easily find you. Um, I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time and then just found you on like, I don't know why I didn't do it. I mean, let me find her on Facebook too. So I can, I can, I can catch it on both platforms. And um, so I hope our listeners will check that out. Um, Yeah. We all need encouragement. Um, you know, most of our listeners are adoptive and foster parents, um, especially moms, right? And, um, you know, as we wrap up our conversation today, Mindy, would you share a word of encouragement for us, with us? Yeah, I would say you are not alone. Um, there may be thoughts that are rolling around in your brain that that you don't want to be thinking, but you are. And I would say I've been there. And you are not alone. Um, and it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to rest. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. some of that verse that I just repeat over and over to myself, um, it's permission to rest. Um, you need it. You deserve it. Um, and I promise it's going to be okay. There's going to be hard things. But um it's okay to rest and you are not alone. Mm, Such good advice. Great encouragement. Thank you, Mindy, so much for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your story for all that you're doing um, with your own children, as well as encouraging fellow parents along the way. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thanks. So thank you for joining us today for the adoption and foster care journey as well. I hope you were inspired by Mindy Schrock's story um, and encouraged by her words. I hope you'll find her on social media. We will, again, we will put the uh, links to her social media in the show notes for this episode. So you can easily find them. Uh, And in addition to encouraging you, we love to equip you for your unique parenting journey, um, especially if you're parenting children who are prenatally exposed. We have lots of resources on our website from coaching to our FASD workshops um, and lots of other resources that you can find there. And of course, this podcast is a resource as well. So I hope you go to the website, check it out, 
justicefororphansny.org. Um, and again, follow us on social media at Justice for Orphans. Uh, you can also follow me, Sandra Flack, on Facebook and Instagram as well. And I'm grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. I'm grateful to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.